0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the American election is still too close to call. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. I'm here to tell you tonight, we believe we're on track to win this election. Canada's top doctor makes changes to mask recommendations. To improve
1: the level of protection that can be provided by non-medical masks or face coverings, We are recommending that you consider a three-layer non-medical mask, which includes a middle filter
0: layer. And policy changes are proposed in dealing with online streaming platforms. This outdated regulatory framework is not only unfair for our Canadian businesses, it threatens Canadian jobs, and it undermines our ability to tell our own Canadian stories. It's Wednesday, November the 4th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us.
1: Glad to help, Mark.
0: We don't have an outcome in the U.S. election. Everything is very much still up in the air, and it could take days, perhaps even longer, to resolve. But I think one thing is clear, and that is America remains deeply divided. Uh, There wasn't the decisive outcome that some people were hoping for what does that mean do you think for the united states and for canada as its best friend closest ally and biggest trading partner
1: well for canada uh, i mean i think the upper reaches of the canadian government are are probably sitting on pins and needles just like everybody else wondering where this is going to go i mean the uh, the Trump administration has not been particularly friendly to Canada. Um, you know, it's imposed tariffs, and, um, and uh, Trump himself, of course, has made plenty of idiotic statements about the prime minister and, and things like that. And, I mean, the Americans have undermined NATO, uh, global trading patterns, and, and many other uh, things that uh, we had come to depend on. Um, so, with America divided as it quite clearly is, I mean the country is tearing itself apart. Um, Canada has to, you know, play its cards extremely cautiously. You know, don't rush into anything. Take its time. take Take its time. You know, and 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 see where the chips fall. Um, you know, a, a Biden win is not a bonanza for Canada either. I mean, there's a lot of anti trade Democrats. So, um, you know, no matter what the result, Canada has to uh, be judicious in its comments and just try to maintain uh, stability in the relationship.
0: Long term, though, what do you think this means in the context uh, of uh, geopolitics? And I know that's a big question, but I, I hear a lot of people talking about how This is evidence that the American era and um, American dominance on the world stage may be coming to an end, regardless of the outcome of this election. Because this, I think, demonstrates that even if Joe Biden ends up as the winner of this election and becomes president, and those are two big ifs at this point. That the country is still divided and Donald Trump is still a very relevant force in American politics who could be running again in the future uh, and, and still might have control of the Republican Party going forward. Uh, so what does all that mean for America and by extension, Canada?
1: Well, you know, Canada's role in the world is is of a sort of cautious broker, a middle power that works with other countries, often larger countries or larger trading blocks. You know, we have good relationships with the European Union, for instance. Uh, Canada has excellent relationships with many countries in Asia. Um, and, you know, overall, you know, reasonable um, relationships still going on with the USA, Um but it's the lack of predictability. It's, it's not knowing from one day or one week to the next what the U.S. administration is going to do. I mean, Trump is surrounded by a coterie of these nuts and, and weirdos who have these very, very strange um, approaches to international relations, including trade. And with so much of our economy interlaced with the Americans, um, you know, the, the Canadians are going to have to find other allies other markets, um, other friends around the world, countries with like interests and, and similar objectives, and and to fight for democracy as as a theory or as a uh, as a practice, as a way of living and managing our countries, um, because clearly democracy is in deep trouble uh, in the U.S., where which is sort of the the bedrock of modern democratic norms. So. Uh, you know, there's there's massive questions. I mean, I can't imagine what four years of, of more years of Trump is going to be like for international relations. It's going to set Canada and many other countries back on their heels.
0: All right. Let's turn to the coronavirus pandemic and uh, talk a little bit about some of the issues arising recently. Uh, the Public Health Agency of Canada is now recommending Canadians use three-layer non-medical masks, including a filter layer. Uh, to uh, prevent the spread of the coronavirus, particularly as we move now to a phase where we're going to be spending more time indoors. Uh, there, I think there has been a change in the last few weeks that a lot of Canadians, especially as winter has approached, uh, are starting to acknowledge that this is not uh, going to end soon and that uh, even even as Ontario yesterday announced it was going to reopen some parts of the economy, that this is very much a a long game is that the sense you have
1: absolutely and uh you know i think dr tan uh her recommendations yesterday to sort of get better masks is is just part of it but i mean if you you look at what's happening in ontario you know setting records almost every day of new infections uh, multiple deaths every day uh, you know more cases emerging in Uh, Alberta, uh, you know, uh, Quebec sort of may be leveling off a bit, but they've had some outbreaks there too. So, you know, our most populous and economically important areas are suffering the worst in many ways. And, uh, so yeah, it's going to be a long haul, Mark. There's no, the end is not in sight, even if things are, are fairly good in Canada, say as compared with Trump's USA where it's just running out of control. And, um, you know in in Canada it is also spreading it is not totally under control far from it and uh i think the canadian government and the provinces are going to have to maintain pretty strict uh regulations and and vigilance on this for quite a long time to come it's certainly well into 2021 we're almost at the end of 2020 and uh you know we're still just in the second wave so uh it's mystifying to um, lay people like myself, but, um, you know, given what the concern that's being expressed by the top medical people, I think uh, it's a signal we should all be cautious.
0: All right, finally, let's talk a little bit about the Broadcasting Act. Yesterday, a new bill was introduced by the Canadian Heritage Minister, Stephen Guilbeault. Uh, that addresses an issue that a lot of people have been focused on for a long time, and that is the fact that streaming services, uh, online streaming services, um, and major players in the digital world are able to sell their products in this country without contributing very much to Canadian content. And the government is saying this new bill would uh, require those services to contribute as much as $830 million a year To Canadian content by 2023 do you think this rectifies the situation that a lot of people have been concerned about for some time
1: no it doesn't rectify it 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 addresses it for once Uh, you know the fact that uh, these large uh, multinational corporations like Facebook Google uh, etc are not based in Canada they provide very little employment in Canada they pay minimal taxes in Canada and yet, uh, are, have very successfully crippled the domestic media industries to where uh, you know newspapers are vanishing in every town, um, television is under siege. Uh, you know, this is this has uh, been allowed to run unchecked for almost 20 years. These monster companies have grown now to the point where they're unmanageable by any single com- uh, country, even the U.S. or the European Union and um you know this is a very tentative step to reclaim some of those revenues i mean uh, uh, you know when i was running the, the local paper on halifax it, it occurred to me that you know google didn't even have an employee in the province at the time and yet had basically stripped the revenues out of uh, all the major uh, you know newspapers and print sources so um you know this is gone while we have slept uh, it has taken place and it's about time the government woke up to it but again you know these companies are far more nimble and able to change and mutate much faster than government policy can in any country and and this has been the um the fact really since the dawn of the world wide web and uh you know we're far, far behind, and this is just a tentative first step. If you ask me, uh, and and you know what Canadians, I, I heard um, one analyst say a few years back that Canadians are the only people in the world who prefer to watch the film and television of other countries over their own. And um, you know, so I don't understand that about my fellow Canadians, but uh, it's the way it is. And uh, you know, we're going to all have to uh, you know find ways of reasserting Canadian content and Canadian sovereignty on our on our, our airways and on our computers.
0: All right. Great to have your comments uh, on this very unusual day when uh, the results of the American election are still undetermined and lots of other things are still going on. Dan, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us.
1: Okay, Mark. See ya.
0: That is longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. But look... We feel good about where we are. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Raymond J. D'Souza argues, maybe the best of America has come and gone. D'Souza writes, American political candidates routinely speak about their country as the greatest political, economic, and cultural achievement in the history of mankind. But does anyone sincerely believe that about America today? Election 2020 suggests the opposite. Maybe the best has come and gone. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues, selfishness is behind the latest COVID-19 surge. Mason writes, There are always a few people who refuse to wear a mask or follow distancing rules. They are the same people who complain the loudest when the government is forced to shut things down. We can blame our governments for measures that don't always make sense to us, but that doesn't excuse behavior that is blatantly reckless. If the numbers continue to rise the government will be forced to reintroduce closures. And that won't be anyone's fault but our own. In the Toronto Star, Amira El-Gawabi argues France is undermining civil liberties in the name of fighting terrorism, and Canada should say so. El-Gawabi writes, French President Emmanuel Macron has launched an all-out campaign against Islamism, Islamic separatism, and dozens of Muslim organizations fueling division and undermining the very civil liberties he claims to defend. Beyond standing in blind solidarity with France, Canada has much to offer the country on ways to promote inclusive communities in which diversity is seen as a strength, not a problem. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Parliamentary Budget Officer will be releasing two reports today, and one of them deals with the Trudeau
2: government's Pay Equity Act. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giroux will provide a report on the estimated cost of Canada's federal pay equity regime. Now, many Canadians may not know exactly off the top of their head what that is, but Canada finally passed federal legislation called the Pay Equity Act back in December 2018. Now, the aim of the act was to reduce the gender gap in federally regulated workplaces, both direct federal employees and companies under federal regulation. So the aim is to bring the wages of women, or the average wages and jobs traditionally occupied by women, up to the same level as jobs occupied more often by men. Now it'll be intriguing to see exactly what the parliamentary budget officer uh, finds are the costs of implementing the legislation. The Equ- Equity Act was supposed to come into effect by the end of this year. And it will entail a regulatory body, inspectors to deal with complaints, and an arbitration mechanism to adjudicate and enforce the Equity Act. That report will be available on the Parliamentary Budget Officer's website as of 9 a.m. Eastern this morning. Thanks, Martin. Also
0: today, the Prime Minister will virtually attend the Liberal caucus meeting and question period before taking part in a virtual town hall at Kwantlen Polytechnic University, which will be live-streamed on YouTube. The Conservative Caucus will meet in Ottawa. Infrastructure Minister Catherine McKenna will attend an event with the Chief of Cowichan Tribes. Digital Government Minister Joyce Murray will speak at the FWD 50 conference. And Minister of Families Ahmed Hussein will announce support for early learning, childcare, and schools in New Brunswick. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, November the 4th. Tune into primetime politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.